So Psalm 90 is the only psalm that lists Moses as its author, even though we don't know the exact context that provoked Moses to write it. We can still, though, learn a lot from this psalm that it, that is placed in the Psalter strategically to help us reflect upon how we should respond when things are very difficult. Most of the time, when we think about a psalm, we do well enough if we think through it simply as it stands, since the psalms were composed as individual songs for God's people to sing. And yet, still, there are times for for some psalms in particular that the surrounding psalms help us think more clearly about a, a particular psalm. So if we think about Psalm 89, uh, where the author lamented the absence of the Davidic king, which was a tragic time for Israel, and that sets a sort of context for Psalm 90. Now, although some of you may be thinking about this already, although Moses, who was one of the earlier writers of Scripture, composed this prayer, someone else under the Spirit's inspiration, organized the whole book of Psalms and placed Moses' psalm here right after a psalm about one of the hardest seasons in Israel's history that prompted Psalm 89, which ends questioning if God still loves his people. We can see pretty quickly then that just this preceding context of being left in a questionable and overwhelming situation makes what God would show his people through Psalm 90 immediately applicable to us as as we weather through this season of the coronavirus when so many of us feel not only overwhelmed, but also very uncertain about how this situation will turn out and whether things genuinely will be all right on the other side. Now, as we think about this chapter, though, we, this psalm, we need to realize that every psalm's structure is usually where at least one of the most fundamental application points resides. I think we can read this psalm as a response to that overwhelming and uncertain situation. I have no idea. Uh, in reality, what specific situation prompted Moses under the Spirit's inspiration to write this psalm? But his life was full of those sorts of examples. Perhaps as he traveled back to Egypt to free God's people after encountering God at the burning bush, he wrote this. Perhaps a general moment as Israel wandered in the wilderness when people were on the border of rebellion, and it was not quite certain what the future would hold for this generation longing for the promised land. Whatever the case, we see the godly response to a difficult situation. And as we think about the structure of this psalm, uh, in verses 1 to 2, Moses praised God for God's eternal nature and his faithfulness to his people. Then, in verses 3 to 11, Moses reflected upon the trials and troubles of human existence. And finally, verses 12 to 17, call upon God for help. That tells us that Moses thought about 
dealing with times of very pointed trouble as a, as a process of coming before God to work through these things. Coming before God entails the need to give praise to our Lord as a first reflex of the believing heart. And then we genuinely lament over our fallen and crumbling situation. We are honest with God about the issues confronting us. We should not, however, in ordinary circumstances, leave our prayers in lament, but should indeed call to God for help. And we can see pretty quickly how to transpose this psalm and that reason of uncertainty and difficulty into our own lives as a model for prayer when faced with those overwhelming and uncertain times. The first application we need to make is that no matter how difficult and uncertain things may be, we always have to pause to praise God. Not only is there no excuse for refusing to marvel at who God is, but in fact, centering ourselves on God's own beauty can be a profound help for us in finding comfort. So we should remind ourselves of God's attributes, as Moses did in verses 1 and 2. The second application that has to be made is that when we are confronted with radical difficulty, we should indeed consider the radical nature of our sin and its effects. Moses prayed back to God in verses 3 to 11 how God returns man to dust. God sweeps people away like he did with the flood because the people are so fleeting. Our lives are like vapor. God's anger is the reason that people are brought to an end. Our actions as the human race stand under God's wrath, which is why our lives are so short. 70 years, maybe 80 if we really push it. Maybe modern life is longer, but you get the point. The book of Job shows us that there are many times under the fall's general curse that hard times beset people without immediate cause in their own sin. And I realize that. On the other hand, is that something that we should not genuinely consider as a possibility that our sin has brought about calamity? What if our present circumstances are upon individuals as a consequence for sin? What if? Maybe that's not the case, but it could be. Hardship, as Moses modeled, should prompt us to consider God's wrath against sin. There are things that are your fault, and you need to repent of those things. But even if you consider yourself well and find yourself blameless in particular matters that relate to our present circumstances, reflecting upon our sin makes our need for God very clear to us, which makes it a worthwhile activity. And so that makes it very profound that Moses 
would out the outset of his requests ask God to teach us to number our days. We are indeed sinners, and since we live in a fallen world, we must appreciate with gratitude each moment we have. We call to God for wisdom, and we ask him for pity, for satisfaction, and even for gladness. How can we be assured, though, that God will listen to us as we seek that pattern of pity, satisfaction, and gladness? Well, we find assurance in Christ. God's work in Jesus Christ has been shown to the Lord's servants. In Christ, God's favor does rest upon us. God has given his Son not just to redeem us, but even to establish us. We see in verse 17, don't we? Establish the works of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. We can think here of Ephesians 2.10, can't we? We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. It can be easy in our present times, I know for many, to feel useless if we are stuck in our homes and unable to do our usual tasks. But God has set his favor on us in Christ, which, of course, includes, if not foremost, so the forgiveness of sin, as we so often consider but it further means that God will establish our works. There may be works that God has prepared for you to do even in this season. So even though we lament and we seek God's relief, don't just lament our present crisis, but watch for how God can use us and do good things in this time. Christ's work of reconciliation ensures that Christ will make us useful. So take hope, Christian. God has good in store for you. And even in overwhelming times, we can call to God to establish the works, the good works that his people will do. Let's have hope that God is doing good things in this time. Let's trust that he can establish the work of our hands. Let's look to him now that we might see him be at work to have mercy on his people, to give us satisfaction, and even to give us gladness. Let's pray. Father God, we do seek your face in this time. We know that there are so many reasons why we should uh, consider our own sins and, and repent. But first, we want to give you praise. We want to give you praise that even though this season to us seems so long and lingering, God, you are the God in whom no succession of moments exists. You are eternal. You are everlasting. And while this seems like so long to us, God, you are bigger, endlessly bigger than this season of coronavirus. All the effects of it too, just the disease, it is a blink of an eye to the eternal God 
all of the things that seem so overwhelming to us. And while that can seem like a distant truth, God, it reminds us that you are so much bigger than all of this. And so we come to you seeking to know what is our condition in this matter. Do we have sin? We know that you have wiped out people throughout history because of sin. We see it recorded even in this psalm. And so we ask you, God, show us if we have sin. We know that in some capacity or another, this crisis is here because sin is in the world. And we ask, is it ours? If it is, God, we call to you for forgiveness. We call out in repentance, hoping that you will remove our transgression, that you will not hold our iniquity before you, that you will put away our sin because of the work of Christ. And regardless, whether we need specific repentance and forgiveness in this matter, or whether this is a general effect of the fall, God, we, we ask that you would teach us to number our days. We know that sin does leave its effects across this whole world, whether those are particularly pointed in this crisis or not. And so we know that we need to be wise in all of our days and all of the things that we do and use them well. And we pray, God, that you would teach us to live well that you would have mercy and pity on your servants here, that you would satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we might rejoice and be glad all of our days. With this psalmist, God, we pray that despite our sin, that you would be merciful and remove this virus from our world. That as many days as we have been afflicted, especially as your church, that you will multiply to us gladness that in the outcomes of this lord your church will be able to rejoice that as many years as we have seen evil and been separated if we can think in those terms god we pray that you would magnify yourself by showing your glorious power to your children and bringing us back together and helping us to delight in each other's company that we might worship you as a church Lord God, we do pray your help in all of these matters, that you would give us your favor, that you would show us what good we might be able to do in this time, and that you establish our works. Amen.